on that platform of Anglican proofs and benefit of a revival. Hallelujah. Now, I'll be teaching about revival this morning because by privilege, I've been going through some extensive study on this thing called revival. And some things I'm beginning to understand. And let me say this first and foremost. Revival is not a thing designed by God for our needs to go to God. No. Revival is not a time where you start going to God and say, Lord, bless me with a car, bless me with whatever you want to desire. No. Revival is a time where the burden of the kingdom, the burden of God, by the move of the Spirit, is placed upon men. That's what we call a revival. Now, it is the burden placed upon men, carried out by men responsibly, that results to the needs of men being met. The needs of men are met at that stage. Hallelujah. So whenever we talk about a revival, we are simply talking about the burden of God being placed upon men. You remember Jesus was telling the, the people that, hey, my yoke is easy, it's light. So that's what you should carry. Now that's what we talk about a revival. So until the burden of the kingdom, until the burden of God, which is to see all men saved, come upon you, then it is not a revival. Whether your needs, physical needs, earthly needs within this jurisdiction are met or not, it is not a revival. The very first revival recorded in scripture was carried out by the man called Noah. When the people have, have been lost and God's plan was to destroy the earth. But for that to happen, God needed to separate. God needed to bring people to himself. And Noah carried that body. The Bible never said, now Noah built the ark in 100 years. It took 100 years for Noah to build that ark. But there was never a time that we saw anything of any benefit to Noah as regards his needs. It was just the body of telling people that God wants to destroy this earth. So we need to return back. That was the very first time revival broke out. And if you study the Bible very well, you will realize that in the Old Testament, there were a series of revival that came out. Now, the, first, the very first time we talked about Noah, other subsequent times that revival took place, God used the prophets, God used the judges, the kings as of, as of that time to bring about the revival. But this is the last days. And in the last days, what we bring about the revival is the move of the Spirit. And this is where we are now, at the last days. So may I announce to you now that the revival we are seeing is the last revival we'll ever see before Jesus comes. So we must take it seriously. Because why? There is no other thing other than the Spirit of God. God has finished dealing with us with the prophet, with the judges. Now he's dealing with us as regards to revival by the Spirit of the Lord. So we are being moved and sent by the Spirit of the Lord to see the purposes of God established in this end time. So we must come into alignment with that Spirit in order to see revival established. Now, every time you bring your personal needs to God, it doesn't mean that God is not interested in it. But what God wants to see is your alignment. Now, everyone that truly aligned by this spirit always have their needs met. It may not be instant, but it's, it's something that must happen. And that's why we must come to this understanding that where we are, the time we are in now is the time where God is interested in bringing the bodies of the kingdom upon men. 
fighting spirit. Not a time of frivolities. A time where we fight Christianity for pleasure. No, we are not in that time. It, it has passed. Because the pleasure lies in carrying the burden. Because Jesus said that the burden is light. That is what is the reviver. That is what is the reviver. Reviver is a system designed by God for the exaltation and enthronement of Christ over territories, systems, institutions. A system designed by God for the exaltation of Christ. So if Christ is not exalted, if Christ is not enthroned, then it is not a reviver. Remember he said in the last days, when he was talking about it in Isaiah, and even prophet Micah talked about it, that the mountains of the Lord shall be established above all mountains. Now, it was not talking about what will happen then. It was talking about what will happen in the future. So they were giving a prophetic into the future. That the mountains of the Lord shall be established above all mountains, and all nations shall come. And why are they coming? They are coming to a light of the ways of God. That is what we are talking about as a revival. We are the Christ is exalted and thrown over institutions, over territories, over nations. That is the revival we are talking about. So if you are not part of this exaltation and enthronement of Christ, then you are not in the revival. You are not in the revival. You are not in the revival. It's quite unfortunate that we believers now, we have turned this thing into a personal gain system where we think that, okay, in this move, we can just ask our needs to be met. I am not saying that is wrong as it were, but that is not the purpose for the revival because your needs in this end time is to be added. It's an additional, an, an addition. Not something you need to cry about as it were. Although, yes, you must pray for it, but the purpose of this move is for the enthronement and the exaltation of Christ. Shout hallelujah. So you must wake up to this reality before you can think that you have entered the revival. Now, this time is a time where massive salvation of souls are recorded. This time, where there shall be massive salvation of souls. Now, what is the salvation we're talking about? We're talking about the deliverance of men from the kingdom of darkness into the light of scripture. This is the time. So it's not the time where you yourself is even, you, you yourself are even, is even in darkness. No. It's a time where you are already out of darkness and you're pulling men out of darkness. So when the revival occurs and I see people behave some kind of way, they ought not to behave. It's, 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 it's appalling because why? They are not even representing or reflecting the revival we're talking about. Talking more about bringing people out. Now, may I say this to you this morning, that revival first begins with you and express to others. So if you're saying, Lord, bring down the revival, you're simply saying, Lord, make me an expression of what you are about to do. So until you are revived, the revival can't take place through you. No matter how much of prayer you render. Because first, the prayer has to, you have to be transfigured. Remember that Jesus was transfigured. Why? Because he knows that he's going to be used as an example to the world. Hallelujah. So this is a time of massive salvation of souls. Now, please, let's know this. Revival is not a time where we promote doctrine or denomination. Revival is not a time where a doctrine or denomination is being promoted. No. Revival is a time where Christ gets the loyalty of men. Where men are loyal to Christ. 
And this loyalty is expressed through religious institutions. That's why if you are loyal to a particular church and you can discriminate the other church there, you are not in a revival. Because why? Your loyalty is only to an institution. And revival is not a time where our loyalty is given to an institution. Our loyalty is given to Christ. And that is expressed through various religious institutions. And that's why you can never tell me you're in a revival. You are castigating over other churches and promoting just your church. It's a lie. That is not a revival. Christ has not been exalted. Your institution has been exalted. The religious institution you are representing is what is being exalted, not Christ. If it's Christ, then your loyalty will be to every religious institution that represents Christ. This is what they call a revival. In one of the revivals that happened in America called the Azusa Street Revival, there was nothing like denomination. From there, revival broke out to the nations of the earth. And one thing that we are meant to understand that right there, people will speak in the language, in tongues, in the language they were expected to go. And when they go, they go there to exalt Christ, not to exalt what they believe as regarding their institution. They exalt Christ. That is a revival. We must come to this understanding, even though we keep fighting and keep shadow boxing, thinking that we are making a move for God, not knowing that we are making a move for ourselves. That is a revival where Christ is exalted and the loyalty of men are being given to Christ, not to an institution. Shout hallelujah. I've told you, Christ, revival is not a time where we present our needs to God, but a time where we carry the body of the kingdom. But we must understand that when there is a revival, our loyalty to Christ is expressed through a religious institution, what we call the church. So if your loyalty is to Christ, then it must be expressed to a church. So you are exalting cross church. You are exalting Christ through that church. But what is in this revival at the end of the day is divine favor. Do you know why there should be favor? Because the pride of men must be brought down before God. And the only way the pride of men can be brought down to, before God is through results. So God is in God is mandated to reflect a level and dimension of results in your life that will conform to the ideologies of men and bring men down before Christ. Now remember the Bible says, kings shall come to the brightness of the rising. It didn't say just ordinary men, it said kings. So for kings to come to the brightness of your rising, you must have a resource that can attract kings. That is what the church is talking about. That's what God is talking about there. So don't bother about whatever God will do through you because God is mandated to do exceptional, exceptional, exceptional things through you. All he just needs from you is your alignment. Rise up to your feet. Lift up your voice and bless the name of the Lord. Thank you, Father. Let's give Jesus a big hand as we make What has already been started from Saturday week on Monday, sowing a hidden treasure of the kingdom. Hallelujah. Now, I love that word, a hidden treasure. And why the preacher was preaching yesterday, I learned something. You know, many times we look out for what we think and define as the blessing or the treasure from God. Now, let me specifically and categorically state this. It's not what you define as the blessing that becomes the blessing. It's what God defined as the blessing that is the blessing. Because you might say, ah, they have been telling us to come, go out, that this will happen and that will happen. Now, that could be what you define as the blessing. 
But the question you ask is that what God defines as the blessing? It's a very vital question. Let's take this illustration as was given to us by the associate pastor Wednesday. He said, maybe gold is found in a particular location and everybody is seeing or going to get that gold. And God is telling you, don't go and get the gold. Be the one to sell this shopper. Now, to you, the blessing is the gold. To God, no. Sell the shopper. And the gold will come. Why did I bring this illustration? Most times, we would define, like, oh Lord, my fruitfulness, my blessings, and all this. I'm not saying they are not the blessing. But these are manifestations of the fact that you are blessed. They are not the blessing. Those things are not the blessing. Those things are only expression of the fact that you are blessed. And it must be seen within this geography of location. Shout hallelujah. So because I want you to know that every one of us that have ever gone out for Christ, living the kingdom life has been blessed by God. Although you may not be able to express it around this vicinity because possibly you have not been able to turn this blessing to the need and value of men for all to see. Take for instance, Jesus talked about the true riches. Say, who committed to your hand the true riches? <laughs> the true riches is not talking about money because he emphasized clearly that if you're unfaithful with uh, a mammon, then who committed to you the true riches? So that is the difference between the true riches and mammon, which is money. But today we see the money as the blessing, not knowing that the true riches is the blessing. And the true riches is what brings the money. Shout hallelujah. Why am I begging? taking this time to explain this threshold? Because that is what would motivate us and make us become more zealous for this purpose. For this purpose. So you ask God for one million naira for his soul. And God said, I will not give you one million naira because one million naira can finish. But I will give you an idea that will make millions of naira come into your life. So, we tag the blessing as the money, but God tag the blessing as the idea. And that's how many of us have actually gotten the true riches. But we are looking for mama. For the one or few times you have gone out, God said, for this you did. I'll give you this. Because God can never store your blessing. He doesn't need it. God don't need your wisdom. What is he doing with it? God don't need your long life. What is he doing with it? It's of no use to him. So he has, he's committed. Now, let me read the scripture very fast for us. John chapter 4, verses 5, 6, 37. Talking about the harvest being right and everything. And in verse 36, which is my emphasis. Thank you, Jesus. That is which is my emphasis. Now, let's see what he said in verse 26. And he that repents, receiveth wages. Please, if you have your Bible, open to that place. If you have your Bible, if you don't have your Bible, you can just follow me. He that repents, receiveth wages. Stop. He that repents, receiveth wages. Now, he didn't make emphasis to he that sold. The first thing he said is he that repent, receiveth wages. So everyone that reap is mandated and tied to receive wage. Now let's continue. 
He then went further to say, and gathered fruit unto life eternal. Then the last part of it, they say, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. But at the end part, he then said, when he that reapeth receiveth wages, the ending is now both the sower and the reaper that rejoices. Now the question is, why was the sower not receiving wage? Why was he just receiving um, joy? That is what we need to understand. That the sower is Jesus. The reaper is us. And Jesus has done his work already. Remember the Bible said, he, when one soul gives his life to Christ, what happened? There is great rejoicing in heaven. So the joy there is for the, the sower to see the seed he has planted to come. And because he wants that to happen so that there can be joy in heaven, he places a demand on whoever is interested in reaping. So the responsibility of the reaper makes the sower seed manifest in heaven and he places a wage on it. And that's why whenever we preach about the wisdom for so many, we tell you that the conviction of God is the same. Because why? The fruit you see is as a result of the seed you planted. Would you plant mango and see orange? So if Christ has planted his life for the salvation of this man, that is the conviction. Although the reaper has his responsibility to engage various strategies that will work for him and that is beneficiary to him. Why? Because there is a wage attached to it. So God can't keep your wage because why? The sower doesn't have need for the wage. And that's why the Bible categorically said only the reaper receiveth wage. Because the sower is just happy that the seed he has planted has come. Which is Jesus. And that's why there is great rejoicing when one soul gives his life to Christ. Now, somebody will say, and the reaper equally receives joy. What is the joy? Because he has engaged with responsibility and he has gotten his wage. You know that everyone that works with them, the very best time in their life is ending of the month when salary is coming. Then you walk with your shoulders high. Because why? You have been working from the beginning of the month. Why am I bringing this to your notice? I want you to understand that God doesn't need your wages. So he's committed to giving it to you. This, it's, it's, it's of no use to him. It's there for you. It's there for you. Somebody will be saying, does it mean that if I don't win so God will not bless me? I don't know. It's your father can't ask him. He didn't tell me that I want to tell you. But I'm telling you that as long as you have engaged, God is committed. God is, let me use this word, God is programmed that once you engage, by virtue of the programming, which must come out of him. Wage must come out of him. That, you know what programming is all about. When you program a thing, you just get whatever you program. That's how God is programmed. And that's why he said, He that repent receiveth wages. Shout hallelujah. Now, we must understand this equally that the foundation for so many or souls to be saved is the love of God. Because now I've told you that you automatically you receive your wages does not mean. That you say, okay, fine, that reward is what is taking me there. No, the love of God is the foundation for soul winning. So once you don't have the love of God, you can never win a soul. Because your mind will never be there. And I love those souls that can be very frustrating. That even before you come close to them, 
don't love God, you will tell the person, Waka. So it takes the love of God to see through, even in the midst of the trying times. Because he never told us in that John chapter 4, verse 36, that hey, everything will be rosy. Don't worry, when you go, everybody will accept. He even clearly told us that some persons will reject the gospel when you take it there. But he didn't tell you to stop going. Go again. Shout hallelujah. Two things that will benefit. I name them. We invite, the, we invite God's servant to put a prophetic blessing over our life. Number one, boldness for triumphantly. That is one of the benefits or one of the blessings of sowing. So one of the wages God commits in your life is boldness. And that boldness is for triumphant living. So maybe God will never have blessed you with one millionaire, but God blessed you with boldness to take drastic and commanding steps, to give yourself drastic and commanding results. So boldness for triumphant living. And I specifically say for triumphant living, because this is what is the way for you. To take decisions that cannot be confirmed and explained by the technology or intelligence of man, but the result is proof for all to see. So this is one of the true riches God was talking about, that I will give you boldness. Boldness. Have you seen a man that although he's intelligent, but he's chicken-hearted? Then when I was in secondary school, I remember the very first time they called me to go and do a debate. I know that I can, there was, I know I know the course, it was biology particularly. I know I knew it, but I was scared to go. I wasn't bold. And the person they sent is somebody that on a norm, even though not God be faithful to the both of us, but even in the faithfulness of God to the both of us, I was still beating in class. But fear made me not to go. And he went there and see the way they were celebrating him because of boldness. So when you are a soul winner, the spirit of boldness that is resident in your life. That is one of the wages. And it's not, not everybody has boldness. I can't even, some of us when we're walking at night, we are walking and looking back. If somebody's following us, that is fear. Shout hallelujah. And number two, God makes you a giant. What does it mean to be a giant? It means you are in control. You are in command. In the name of Jesus, from this day, Every one of these characteristics that have been mentioned to us from Monday will start finding expression in our life in Jesus' precious name. Give Jesus a big hand. Hallelujah. Rise up to your feet and let's make a conversation. Hallelujah. I believe we have been blessed after the week and this today, God's blessing, we qualify an expression in someone's life in Jesus' precious name. Hallelujah. Please, every opportunity to hear the word is an opportunity to learn something new. So don't take it for granted. Don't take it unusual. As a usual thing. See, as an opportunity that something will drop on you. The Bible said, Arise and shine, for the light has come. Then what happened next? The glory of the Lord is risen over thee. So the glory always proceeds after the light has come. This morning, someone's light will come. In Jesus' precious name. And equally, you must understand is that a topic notwithstanding, any topic from scripture has the capacity to illuminate anyone. And that equally has the capacity to glorify anyone. Hallelujah. Amen. All through the week, we have been looking at how to see our fruits abide. How to see our fruit abide. 
Now, just the same way God is interested in seeing these people save, God is equally interested in seeing these people abide. Once saved, forever saved, is a theology that has some doubts. Why do I say that? Someone can drive into apostasy. And once anyone drives into apostasy, that one is gone forever. What's apostasy? It's a state of godlessness, believing that the existence of God is not real. And Hebrew made us to understand that there was a time that it would be difficult for those who have actually tested the powers of the world to come for them to return back. So God is very keen in seeing these people stay in the faith. And that's why God devised several strategies by himself, not by us. We only were able to discover it from scriptures that these people should stay. Remember Apostle Paul said, my little children of whom I travail in birth, that Christ may be formed in you. So there's a label to see that Christ be formed in anyone. When they receive Christ, a seed is planted. But for that seed to germinate and form on a regular, there are some certain procedures and patterns that must be kept. Just the same way you plant your seed on the, in, the, in the soil. And on a regular, you apply water, sunlight, and the various other things required for that seed to grow. Then the seed start growing. So also it is in this kingdom that the souls of men must follow some certain procedures and patterns to see them fully, fully established, not in the church alone, also in the faith. Because they can actually be established in the church and not be established in the faith, but they can never be established in the faith and not established in the church. So we are not just interested in seeing them planted in church, we are interested in seeing them planted in Christ. Because they are planted in Christ makes them be planted in church. I have doubt when anybody tells me that, ah, don't worry, I don't go to church. That I worship God at my home, at, at my house. I, I always have doubt in them. Do you know why? Because I just discovered that Christ was not fully planted in them. Because the expression of the planting of Christ in you is a commitment to a religious institution. It's always that way. Whether I like it or not, even when Christ has actually, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he was doing well, the Bible still have it on record that he still go to the synagogue. <laughs> he never neglected the synagogue. From birth, the synagogue was his habitation. Even after the Holy Ghost came upon him and he went about doing good, he never neglected the synagogue. Shout hallelujah. So how do we see these people abide? In some certain principles we should be looking at. Number one, we must be concerned with the total well-being of these people. These people's total well-being should be your concern. Now, let me tell you, it's unfortunate, but that's the truth. Most times, we are only concerned about the spiritual well-being of these people. So, we only remember to call them on Saturday when we want to invite them to church on Sunday. And it's not right. The total well-being of these people should be of great interest to you. You're not just interested in bringing them to church. You're interested in knowing how they are doing, how they are faring. How they are faring. You didn't call them on Monday. You didn't call them on Tuesday. You didn't come on them on Wednesday. You didn't come on them on Thursday. You didn't call them on Friday. It's on Saturday. You remember to pick up your phone to call them. And the first thing you ask is, how are you? Oh, don't forget that church is on Sunday. Is it wrong? No. But is it completely right? No. Because these people have other needs that needs to be checked. Don't just go after them and say, come to church. No, 
How are you doing? What are your challenges? See, even though you don't have the capacity to meet their challenge, but the fact that you gave interest shows love to them. Shows love to them. We must maintain regular contact with our new converts and new members concerning their well-being. Concerning their well-being. We must maintain regular contact. Don't just remember them when you want to bring them to church alone. Remember them in everything. There are times that you just need to take, pay them a surprise visit and just take something home with you, take something along with you. I remember a pastor then, he would just call Felan and he would tell Felan, Felan, he said, this sister, I know that nobody has bought anything for her. Just go to Samis. It's a small money. Just go to Samis and buy her bread. Because she believes that her friends now may be going to Samis, be eating chicken and all that. So just buy Samis bread and take to her. Tell her that it's from, from church. And that's how fella will go buy bread, Samis bread, and give to the sister. And the sister will be so excited because possibly that day she has not even eaten. Even though she has eaten, she has not eaten from Samis. And just somebody from church just remembered. Not a service day. Just one of those working days. Now, the truth of the matter is the fact that nobody forgets an act of love. Nobody forgets it. Nobody forgets an act of love. So we must take interest in seeing that the total well-being of these people is given attention to. So don't just call them when you need them to come to church. Call them when they don't even need to come to church. But they need to know how they are doing. I'll tell you a story of what happened long ago. Let's read Philippians chapter 2, verse 19 first. The Bible said, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy shortly unto you, that also may be of good comfort when I know your state. I may be of good comfort. So the comfort of Paul is in knowing the state of these people. Not just their spiritual state, their complete state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. So I'm caring for your state. This is what Paul was saying. And this is the pattern of having these people abide in the faith. Now let me tell you the story I wanted to tell you about. I have a very good friend of mine. Today is one of, is uh, an evangelist. Sources Woko. Many people will know him because he actually is, is a name in the University of Osaka that a lot of people recognize, particularly in BASIC and the, uh, JCCF. Now, according to the, his testimony when he was sharing with me, one of those days he woke up one morning. It wasn't a service day. He was fed up. He has used twice of his kufis to sow seed in basic, so he couldn't get the admission because he has used his kufis to sow seed. And eventually, the third time he got an admission, things were not just working out for him. He has no money to pay fees and all that. He was fed up. And he said he's packing his things. According to his testimony, he has packed his bags that morning. And it was a Tuesday morning. And he said he's leaving the school. He's no longer interested. And he's disappointed in God. And here I was in my house, not even in Portacot, in Omok. Just having a concern about our people. And I said, let me just send them a general text message. And he happens to be one of them. And I just sent him a message. Ah, God loves you. No matter what you're passing through, God is interested in your well-being. And that was it. And text message there was five naira. Immediately he was packing his, he has packed his bag. Immediately he was carrying his bag to go. That's when my text message came, came in. And he read it and he started crying. And he said, he's not going anywhere again. And he stayed. Sir, this young man, is doing exceptionally well. If he comes to any JCCF meeting, they always recognize him. One of those days he saw me and said, Sir, your five naira test message changed my life. Five naira test message that I did not know. So sometimes that act of care to those people 
changes their life. Don't just be interested. Hey, you are sinning. You go to hell fire. I thought you were giving your life to Christ. No. How are you doing? Jesus loves you. Jesus is interested in your well-being. You have a plate of food you can share with them. Be concerned about their total well-being. Not just their spiritual well-being. Because you can be concerned about their spiritual well-being and they are growing spiritually. And the other things are depreciating their spiritual growth. <laughs> hunger has a way of tampering your spirituality. I pray you never get to that state where hunger can tamper your spirituality. Hunger. Don't joke with hunger. Don't joke with an act of love shown to someone that is suffering. Shout hallelujah. Now, this is what Apostle Paul was telling us, that he's concerned about their state. So he sent Timothy to go and check up on them. Not because they need to be in church, but because he needs to know how they are faring. Shout hallelujah. So many of us this morning will make up that commitment that, hey, these people, their physical well-being is my priority. Also, how do we see these people abide? Spiritual investment. We must equally let them know that spiritual investment is a great deal in pursuit and staying with God. Now, let me bring this to our notice because it's not just about our newcomer, but every one of us. Those that are deprived of spiritual investment will be toes here and there. All doctrines can take them off and take them in at any time. Because of why? They are not taking proper time to spiritually build capacity. Don't negotiate the place of spiritual investment in your pursuit to staying with God. Don't. There are times you need to place on yourself a personal demand for retreat. Just you and God. What is happening to my spiritual life? Why am I not believing what I used to believe again? Even when I know I've seen some certain results and God by himself told me this through scriptures. Why will I just pick any here and there information from the internet and that's what I'm running with? Today they tell me that, hey, don't worry, I can do this thing and Christ has forgiven me. And this was who I was. I was not like this before. And today now I'm living a very careless life. No orderliness. No stand for God. That's because you lack spiritual investment. And our new comfort must ensure, we must ensure that they pass through this process. When I first gave my life to Christ, it took me one year. No, I didn't sit for any exam. Just me and my Bible. In church, Monday to Monday. To the extent that one day my, 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 my dad thought, no, this boy can't just be going to church like that. I know this young man before. How can he just be going to church like that? He took me on way and came to church. He just drove down to see if actually his church I'm going. And there he met me. And from that day, he gave up on me when it comes to going to church. Even though I said I'm going to church by 12 a.m., he allows me to go. Because of why? I took spiritual investment to build myself, and I'll be sincere with you. I have never contemplated backsliding once. For how many years have I been in the faith now? Because I just enjoy God. We have platforms like BCC, Wolfby, there, where people can engage for spiritual investment. You bring them in, not just them, you two come in. If you're seeing your faith, do I do? Spiritual investment is vital to stay in the faith. We must encourage them to partake of the basic certificate course. Uh, not just that, every spiritual platform that the church produces to grow. We must encourage them to be part of it. Why they are complaining, say, okay, don't worry, I'll be feeding you. Just come to Wolfby. And you see their life built. 
Look at Paul. Paul got saved, encountered Jesus, but Paul needed an investment of three years. And today we are celebrating that Paul. So why do you think you don't need an investment in your spiritual work with God? Every spiritual investment we engage brings us closer to God and take us far away from the devil and discouragement. So when you build yourself spiritually, you come closer to God and you are far away from the devil. So when you don't build yourself spiritually, you are far away from God and you are closer to the devil. Never see spiritual investment as a body in order not to be a victim of worldly system. Never see it as a body. Always engage in it. My prayer for us this morning is that as they engage in spiritual investment, or I rather as we bring them into that possibility, I see God making them stay in the faith. Not just them, you and I equally stay in the faith in the precious name of Jesus. We must understand that when our fruit abide, then favor becomes our experience. No one from this day will experience lack of favor again in the precious name of Jesus.